this third Sunday of Advent, uh, we are in this sermon series that we love so much called Christmas Presents. And today we're talking about how we experience the presence of God in the midst of our mourning. In the midst of our mourning. You know, mourning is a part of that early Christmas scene. And it is a part of our Advent experience as well that we work through as we em, uh, embrace what it means to have Emmanuel with us. God is with us. You know, in the last few hours, I've uh, found myself mourning. You know, every once in a while, I get a Facebook post that asks the question, do you know anyone who has had COVID-19 or do you know anyone who has died with COVID-19? You know, I must uh, say that sometimes I wonder exactly what's behind that question, whether it's people who don't think that COVID-19 is actually a reality or as much of a reality as this pandemic um, that is unfolding has been and is right now. And sometimes even the questions about how this pandemic compares to pandemics of the past. Uh, and yet the health care today is so much better than it was in the past. And so this pandemic is, is very, very serious. And we continue to mourn uh, with families uh, of, of, of members of their family who are sick or who are dying. You know, until yesterday, I could say that I personally knew seven people who had died from COVID-19, uh, but I didn't know anyone in the church, and now I do. Uh, COVID took uh, uh, the life of a saint of this church, Mr. Ben Pickering, who was in his 90s. You know, every year, Ben's been on my list to deliver a poinsettia, um, and his wife, Mary, as well, who died a couple of years ago. Um, but I was saddened to hear that word. Ben was such a stalwart of this church for so many years. He loved this church. He supported its ministry. He was so encouraging to all of our pastors. He was one you loved to be around. So COVID-19 has gone too far. Um, ben is lost. And yesterday we got the word that Charlie Pride had died with COVID-19. And, and the world, his fans, his family especially, are mourning. You know, the virus took Charlie Pride, and um, that kind of crosses a line for many. Every life is important. And the closer life lost is to one, the more deeply we, f we, we sense that mourning or that grief um, uh, and, and that deep sense of loss. Now, one could say that Charlie Pride was 86 years old and you have to die from something. But I don't like that answer. Pride was, he was born in Sledge, Mississippi in 1934 to a, a sharecropper family. And, and he grew up working in the cotton fields and playing baseball. He was a great baseball player. And I think his singing and his baseball playing really endured me to him. You know, when I was growing up in East Texas, Charlie Pride was one of my country music idols. To a boy who was learning to play a guitar, I was mesmerized by uh, musicians, and, and Charlie Pride was one at the top of the list. He played so well, and he could sing with, with, um, with, with such beauty. And his voice, it was smooth, and it was country, and it was, it was golden. 
Now also, um, he played professional baseball. He served in the U.S. Army and, and being a country music star. All of those things together just brought him to that level to a kid in East Texas to hero. He was simply a hero. I remember so many times going to bed at night with my eight-track tape playing. You know, eight-track tapes. <laughs> and I had several of Charlie Pride's eight-track tapes. And I would go to bed listening to him sing those iconic melodies like Angel, uh, Kiss an Angel Good Morning, or Is Anybody Going to San Antonio, or, or, or Mountain of Love. And I could go on and on. Of course, he lived right here in our neighborhood in Preston Hollow, uh, where our church is located. And a decade or so ago, our United Methodist Men's Group invited Charlie Pride to uh, be one of our programs and to share with us, and he was gracious enough to be with us. I remember how we enjoyed him so, and um, I asked Jimmy Emery if he'd go downstairs and get my guitar for me, and, and he did just that. And, you know, at the end of that presentation, I asked Charlie if uh, he wouldn't mind uh, maybe singing a, a bit for us, and, and I surely wanted him to sign my guitar. And I looked at that just this morning before I left to stand Charlie Pride. You know, just um, a few days ago, he, he was given the 2020 Lifetime Achievement Award uh, by the country music industry. And I was watching and I saw him sing in his final performance. Many of you may have seen it. He sang Kiss an Angel Good Morning uh, during the CMA Awards. And... Um, you know, I was I was so moved by that, and who would know that just these days later we'd be we'd be mourning, mourning. I was moved yesterday when I read Dolly Parton's um, tweet that was a mourning tweet. She said about Charlie Pride, "I'm so heartbroken that one of my dearest and oldest friends, Charlie Pride, has passed away. It's even worse to know." That he passed away from COVID-19. What a horrible, horrible virus. Charlie, we will always love you. Rest in peace. My love and thoughts go out to his family and all of his fans. You know, we can echo that, can't we? And we know so many people who are mourning today. Even one of our staff members, we just learned... Uh, literally minutes ago, her mother uh, died this morning, Kay Eck. So we're mourning with Kay this morning and with all of her family over her loss. But what does this season of the year, Advent, what does it bring to mourning? Uh, what, what does this message that, that, that we've heard from the prophet, from Isaiah, uh, the night, what does it bring to us? The prophet juxtaposes what is peril and grief and mourning with what is God's Christmas presence and peace. Hear these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. The light, the one who listens, redeems us with peace. Hear this word echoed from our scripture reading today. For a child has been born for us, a son has been given to us. 
Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the message that Naomi was sharing with us just this morning in American Sign Language. We have all known times of mourning, haven't we? We may be in a time of mourning today and hearing this message, we're saying, I know what you're talking about, preacher. I'm there with you. I'm mourning. My question this morning to all of us is this. Have we seen the light of our salvation? Have we experienced the Christmas presence And the peace that we uh, are given as a gift from the one who came to be in the midst of us now and forevermore. You know, the light of God leads us to a deep abiding understanding of the Holy Spirit initiating this Christmas presence of peace in the midst of our mourning. You know, what we really want most is a deep, abiding peace in our homes, in our lives, in the lives of our family members, in the lives of our friends, in our world. We long for peace. How often um, I've talked to husbands and wives and, and, and parents and grandparents who are longing for peace, for one of their loved ones, they, they've tried desperately to um, activate it in their life for someone else that they love. But we know it's not always that easy, is it? Oh, I've heard these words of longing for peace in the midst of mourning from those who have a loved one who's lost to drug or alcohol addiction. Or in the midst of a broken relationship situation that has cut to the quick. Or out of work and no real viable employment is in sight. Or sick and afraid of the progression of a disease and where that might lead. And the peace that really changes perspectives on life is the assurance of God's control, which results from obedience to God's command. You know, what we need to do with all of our cares is turn our cares into prayers, right? You know, in our quest for peace, our first step should be to pray for peace. If anything is worth worrying about, it's worth praying about, believe me. And likewise, if something is not worth praying about, it's not worth worrying about, is it? You know, a few months ago, actually in March, so for nine months, I've been praying with people um, online about nine o'clock, in a group we call Vespers Prayer Friends. There's literally hundreds of people who have come on. I've shared this with you before. But I want to share with you that it has underscored the importance of prayer in my life. I don't know that I've ever prayed so much or with so many or so fervently. And, and these people who gather, they're from literally all over the world and they come together uh, and they've made friendships by praying for people that we love 
and, 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 and issues that we all hold in common. We're, we're not of the same mind on everything. We, we certainly don't all look alike. We, we probably don't all believe alike. But when it comes to prayer and our quest for peace, we're all on the same prayer page. The other night we were uh, talking about childhood prayers and some were sharing their memories of childhood prayers that they prayed. And of course that famous childhood prayer that came out in the New England primer back in the 18th century uh, that seems to hold peril and peace in, uh, in, in this juxtaposition in the midst of a childhood prayer. And some even question whether this childhood uh, prayer is really fitting for children. But, but, but we know it so well. It's like a nursery rhyme in that it's known so well throughout the world. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we talked about that in the chat and uh, and, and it reminded me of a prayer that I've shared with you that my parents taught my sister and me to pray. And we prayed it every night. They would come into our uh, room, uh, one of them or both of them. They'd come and visit us each in our separate rooms. And I, I remember we would pray with their presence there. It was important for the parents to be present there. They were uh, as if they were symbols of the God to whom we were praying. And they were pointing us to that God as we prayed that childhood prayer. Father, we thank thee for the night and for the pleasant morning light, for rest and food and loving care and all that makes the day so fair. Help us to do the things we should and be to others kind and good. For all we do at work and play to grow more loving every day. You know, when we put our children to bed with that kind of prayer, and, and we taught that prayer to our children, Tammy and I did, to our Zach and Emily, they prayed that prayer. And you hope for all of our children that we will be kind and good and we'll, we'll want to be more loving every day. And when, when you pray that over and over and over again, it brings you to that Christmas presents, that peace that passes all understanding. You know, peace can sometimes be elusive unless our focus is on the source of the peace, which is, is not just the prayer, it's the one to whom the prayer points. It's our living Lord. It's the babe of Bethlehem. It's Jesus you know, Christians can easily see the substance of our hope for Christmas presence and peace is in a person. That's what the message of Advent is all about. It's about the person of the Christ child. God with us. The great Christian, Corey Ten Boom, she once said, When I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. But when I look at Jesus, I am at rest. Those of us who quest for Christmas presents and peace need to know that peace is not the absence of our problems. It is not. We're going to face problems. We can face peace in the midst of our circumstances that may be problematic, even life-threatening. 
I can witness to that. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of our problems. Did you hear that? John Wesley, the father of Methodism, as we say, uh, said this. When I looked to Jesus, the dove of peace flew into my heart. But when I looked at the dove of peace, it flew away. The, The meaning of that is that peace is not the means to an end. It is the powerful end of a lasting focus on the means of that end, which is Jesus. Jesus. The babe of Bethlehem. The one who was prophesied. The one who came as the the Christmas presence. The one who came as our peace and who is here today. You know, we focus on Jesus who brings us peace into the midst of our um, our, our vision for what the future could hold. You know, I know that we're in a time right now that's really tough, not just here in the United States of America, but really throughout the world. COVID is not the first storm, however, that we have faced together. Hear me, it's not. We could go back into history and we could recount all kinds of storms, but I I just want to focus on the storms that I've faced with you, Lover's Lane, over the past couple of decades. We will all remember the storm of that Tuesday on September the 11th, don't we? In 2002, when terrorists changed the world forever. Do you remember when we used to get on airplanes without any checks? We just got in line and went on. That that will never be as it once was. But because of that storm. And you know, storms can be uh, figurative or they can be literal. Do you remember the storm of the great tsunami of 2004? Do you remember that 230,000 people lost their lives, were swept away from 14 different countries? That was a literal storm. And then just a year later in 2005 in New Orleans, our our, our neighboring state, there there were over 1,800 people killed and the neighborhoods completely wiped out, never to be restored. $125 billion in damage in that storm. And then the 2008 crash of the housing market and, and the Great Recession, as we've called it. And we still have scars from 2019, even in our own neighborhood, from the tornado that that fortunately didn't take any lives. But it destroyed so much property and it destroyed some lives. Some of the poor lost everything that they had. And then on the heels of that comes COVID-19 just a few months later. You know, we are aware figuratively and literally of storms. And, and I want to remind us this morning that those storms pass. It, it's how we 
uh, focus in the midst of the storm that is so very important. I remember a fact that came out of the reporting on storms that still rides with me today. Scientists tell us that the worst ocean storm never goes more than 25 feet deep. Now hear that. The worst ocean storm never goes more than 25 feet deep. In other words, gales can rip across the Atlantic and the Pacific. They can cause tidal waves a hundred feet high, yet just 25 feet below the surface. The water is calm as a country pond on a sunny day. Friends, that is an illustration of sorts that comes right to us from science. That we find that deep-seated peace that, that resides in us, even in the midst of the storm, that can cause us to last and experience that peace even when the storm is past. We still have that peace at hand. Do you know the only place that you will really ever find peace in the midst of the storm, down deep in a walk with God and in a relationship with Jesus Christ? We all perhaps know the old story of Horatio Spatford. Spafford, he was uh, one who was a very wealthy man from Chicago. He was born in 1828. I saw a, 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 a musical dramatic presentation of his life with his life of, of Anna. And I think it was the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. It was a big, beautiful choir that, that, that played this story out. And it, it called to my memory just a few days ago the importance of Stafford's life. He was a real estate baron, extremely wealthy. He was a tremendous Christian and a close friend of Dwight L. Moody. He lived in Chicago, and during the Chicago fire, he lost his business. And in that fire, he also lost a son. And it seemed like his life was covered with a canopy of dark clouds. His wife was under tremendous stress. And so he sent her and their four daughters to England on a ship. Uh, England was their home country, so in essence they were going back home for this vacation to be with family and friends. He told them that he would join them just a couple of weeks later. So he put his wife and their four daughters on that ship and sent them across the ocean. And as they were in sight of land on the other side, a terrible storm hit and all four of the Spafford daughters drowned. Only his wife was saved. She sent a two-word telegram to her husband Horatio and it simply said, Saved alone. With the heaviest of hearts, Horatio got on the, sh- uh, the next ship he possibly could board and he made his way across to England. 
He got his wife. And they started to return home to Chicago. On board that same uh, ship, they, they came back. And on the way back, he asked the captain to show him the spot where the ship went under, where his daughter's lives were lost in the midst of that storm. When the captain got to the spot and showed it to him, Horatio went on deck and he wrote that beautiful hymn that has resonated in our hearts as a a melody of peace for many, many years. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, I pray that it is well with your soul. That you experience the Christmas presence and peace that Jesus is all about that this season is all about that no matter what storm you may be in no matter what the source of your mourning you will know deep down that peace that passes understanding it is well with my soul Amen.